Welcome to the LVR Podcast, a podcast designed for Australian mortgage brokers made by brokers. We're here to help answer your questions with solid industry answers. Learning, validation, and respect. Now, here's your hosts, Ruan Berger and Marissa Schultz. Welcome, everyone, to our second LVR podcast. I'm really looking forward to have you here for the next 15 minutes or so. And our question today is how much compliant is enough? And it comes for me personally, just, and Marissa, you'll have your opinion here too. Just if you think from the RG290 to, you know, we, we then responsible lending, then you've got BIT, and now we've got uh, DDO coming in. And it's every time it just seems like we're just getting more abbreviations and more names coming into our industry. But is there a silver lining here? Is there something that makes this worth it, in your opinion, Marissa? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting topic because, let's face it, I don't know too many mortgage brokers out there that really enjoy additional (laughs) compliance being piled onto their workload. And it does feel like over the last few years, there's just been, you know, compliance piled on top of compliance, piled on top of compliance, which, let's be honest, has made the job a lot more onerous and more time-consuming. So for every loan application, we're having to do a lot more administration, a lot more compliance than we were having to do, say, five years ago. The question is, is it good or is it bad? Um, And I sort of have a mixed view about it because I think that compliance can be a good thing as long as it is, you know, executed properly and it is ultimately driving a better outcome for the consumer. But I also believe that there potentially has been some, you know, additional compliance added that is actually uh, not necessarily enhancing the outcome for consumer. Uh, Maybe the intentions have been good, but the execution hasn't quite been on point. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, I I have to agree with that. I think it becomes an issue when you have to do compliance just to be compliant. Mm. I think when it's to that level where it's almost layers to an onion, it's um, not really clear cut on what they're trying to achieve and the reason for doing it. Like all things, there's always going to be people that push the line, in my opinion. And I think it's, it's the 80-20 rule where 80% of us pay the price for 20% behaviors. And, and it's sometimes frustrating, to be quite honest. But the same token... As an industry, as we evolve, as we adjust and become more relevant and more valuable to Mm. our clientele, I think compliance there for me has a role to play because we move from being that industry to a profession where at the end of the day we're valued in a certain way and clients value our time and also our, our capacity in a certain way. That makes it good. I just think it's the override that gets me sometimes. Like it feels like, you know, if everything is just pointing one way and not the other, then it's too heavily weighted one way. Like I'm thinking of consumers, just for starters. If consumers tomorrow don't have any responsibility, any accountability, where do you draw the line? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the Australian government obviously has good intentions to protect consumers but there needs to be a line drawn as to protecting people from themselves. <laughs> um, Agreed. You know, I think that I actually love the best interest duty 
because I think it actually gives us a really great advantage as mortgage brokers. I don't necessarily love all of the other stuff that um, has come out recently, but I think that there is some compliance regimes that come out that do help to make our industry more professional and at the level that it should be. And like you said, as we're attracting a greater percentage of the population as more people are using mortgage brokers, of course, we're going to get the attention and we are going to have, you know, additional compliance added on to protect the consumers. But at the end of the day, I think that consumers do have to take some responsibility for their financial decisions as well. And they do need to take some level of responsibility for um, making sure that they understand and that they are actually making the right financial decisions for themselves. Because we're not financial advisors, we're mortgage brokers. So we give advice about debt and debt structuring. We don't give advice about uh, their investments and what they should and shouldn't buy. So you know, consumers do need to have a little bit of responsibility in the decisions they make too. Yeah. And I do think there'll be mortgage brokers that have that capacity to give advice on structures as well and everything beyond structures in respect of property because their businesses allows them that. And so does their forte in respect of their experiences, their degrees, everything that comes with it. And that, that's great. But I do think as far as the line in the sand, I'm with you there that we've got to go with what we do most frequently for the consumer and that is home loans for starters. And with doing that, I think you're always going to have the challenge with people wanting more than they maybe can afford, wanting more than they should have. And you can do the right thing by them, but then they just go and do it somewhere else. And that's a decision you have to make with what type of clients are you chasing? What type of clients are you building your business around or even your your database around per se? So for me, the Compliance should first and foremost just be the very thing that you test your own theories on in respect of the devil is in the details. If you've put things in writing, you are protected. You know, at the end of the day, whether that is whether you record something or put it in writing, what are you doing just to make sure tomorrow it creates less conversations or less questions if a client was to say to you, yeah, but I thought I'll ask you to do this. Yeah, but the email as the email state. Our last conversation was, if you want me to change it, not a problem at all. But just take this into stock. Because I think sometimes you have to appreciate too, they're coming to us for advice. They're coming to us to help them. So they Mm -hmm. almost expect you to guide them. And if you're allowing them to walk over you, they will. So I think we've also got to take just stock there and go, this is our role. This is what we do and this is why we do it. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, for me, I just see compliance as, you know, the cost of doing business. So we need to make sure that we remain compliant so that we can keep our license and we also want to do the right thing, you know, and, and I'd hope that all mortgage breaking businesses around Australia want to do the right thing. But I think that you hit the nail on the head in terms of it can feel quite overwhelming with all of the new compliance regimes that come in. But ultimately what it boils down to is that if you do the right thing by people and if you stick within the parameters of what a mortgage broker or credit representative is allowed to do and you document every conversation uh, really, really well that you have with the client and how things transpire, then mostly you are meeting most of your compliance obligations. So, Marissa, if I can just throw a spanner in the works there. Yeah, sure. Do you think that this can force certain brokers' hands to go tomorrow, well, listen, I'm just going to shift that responsibility by outsourcing it here, there and there just because it just seems like it's, you know, for me, I have to run a business, I have to run staff. And why would I do that? Banks have become very good at shifting 
the proposition in respect of outsourcing almost everything. Um, so in those moments, do you think this is going to make things expensive a different way and less controlled a different way just because it becomes so overwhelming? For well, better I don't know if you, you can outsource your compliance responsibility. I mean, at, at the end of the day, if you're an ACL holder or you're a credit rep, you have the obligation to uh, make sure that your business is compliant um, and you can you can definitely outsource to a compliance company to help guide you along the way and, you know, help prepare some of your reports or renew your um, ACL or, you know, help prepare with your some of your policies and, and meet your obligations as a, as a license holder or a credit rep. But ultimately, it does fall back onto you. So I believe that if you're not willing to take the compliance piece seriously, then you probably shouldn't be in the industry. Um, and yes, there are some frustrating elements to compliance and some unnecessary elements where you just think, well, this doesn't really add any value to anybody and in fact complicates things for the consumer rather than making it easier. But on the whole, it is what it is and we do have a business to run and most industries that are popular industries do have compliance regimes that they have to meet as well. So from my perspective, I think, you know, it is just a cost of doing business and you just have to be prepared to do what is necessary to keep your business compliant and keep your licence. I mean, the times that frustrate me, Rowan, is when I see customers on these ridiculous payday lenders or credit cards that I saw one the other day and she was paying, when you when you worked out the interest rate, it was like 45% per annum. And you see the payday lenders that don't seem to get a huge amount of scrutiny with compliance and then you think then it it just doesn't seem so fair because you think that's really where government should be focusing their attention. I mean, that's just criminal um, that there are people out there getting ripped off by, you know, so many payday lenders and smaller lenders and private lenders um, that, you know, don't come under this compliance regime, which for me... Do Do you think it's a thing of short stint, long stint? Where they go, well, that's a short influence versus someone going on a 30-year loan. That's a long time. If it's got wrong, if you get it wrong, the cost of acquiring your stamps, all those type of things, that's more severe. Because you have to ask yourself the questions, why would it be different rules otherwise? Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be that thought process, but I often see that clients that get involved in those sorts of things, they never get out of them. Yeah, you know, So they might be short-term loans, but once a person gets down that path of these really expensive personal loan facilities, it's really hard for them to ever reach a point where they can recover and get out of those facilities. Well, Well, then another spanner in the works. And bear in mind now with me coming from orphanness advice point, you know, um, having had two businesses, I've seen different things. But if you can recall now, we, we're now in a moment or a moment of time where there's almost saying, well, you shouldn't be refinancing these things onto a home loan if the term is changing because you're not doing them any favours. But the flip side of it is they don't get out of it either. Mm. So what one is worse, the one where they're going to keeping stuck on 45% repayment per annum or the one where they're now stuck on a 3% repayment per annum. So even that, I think, is where, where I take stock on your point is the fact that if these things doesn't change, what changed after it? Like consolidating, whether it's a shorter term, longer term, doesn't soon make a difference if it helps these people get out of those positions. The question just is, and this is, I think, the thing where a lot of us brokers over the years has been challenged, you can honestly go and have a look. Not everyone you take out of these things tend to stay out of these things. Mm. Some have a way of falling back into it. So that's the only reason I think 
If I had to pull a clause to compliance, why I love compliance. <laughs> you love those compliance. Very, well, in those moments, because I think it protects me more than it just protects them. Because mm. if I can't influence your behaviors uh, as a client, if I can't influence your doings, well, what can I influence? And for me, at the end of the day, I can at least influence the job I have to do for you or the very need you have from engaging my services. Do you see that? Yeah, similar? I mean, um, you know, I think that we always have the best intentions for our clients as mortgage brokers and we, we want to see them improve their financial well-being. And, you know, as mortgage brokers, we all have times when someone comes to us and uh, perhaps they haven't managed their money in the best way historically, which has left them in a little bit of a, you know, in a worse position than where they could be. And I think yeah. if we've got the opportunity to help clean that up, and we can give them some suggestions and tips on how they can manage their financial affairs better in the future so that they can, you know, meet all their financial commitments plus save additional money on the side, then, of course, we're going to share that information with them. But uh, we can't control what they do once they leave. No, 100%. You know, once they've gone through the process. So, but I think that our obligation is to always provide advice and make sure that what we're doing and what we're saying to the client is in the client's best interest. Yeah. If the and, client and doesn't want to do what's in their best interest, that's not necessarily something that we have control over. No, agreed. But then we have a choice. Mm. That is the very one thing we do have. I mean, not every client is going to be a good client and sometimes we need to take stock there. You know, if someone kicks against every bit of advice you give them, uh, that could be a problem waiting to happen. And sometimes as brokers, we want to help so many people. But I think, you know, the early days of my learnings was, you know, saying no is very hard. Uh, the later years in my learning was saying no is very easy because it became more more clear to me what type of clients I would love to help because for this type of client, I'll go pull it to post. But for this client, I've got to be cautious because everything I say is not adding to value for them. And if it's not value for them, then what problem is awaiting me? So I think we need to be getting clearer too. And compliance is allowing us that capacity now to have more conscious conversations with ourselves about what clients do you want and what don't you want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I believe I mean, it can't be all things to all people. That's right. And look, we have a pretty firm policy in our business that if a client doesn't want to provide us with the information that we need to support the advice that we give them and they're not, you know, helpful in terms of meeting our compliance obligations, then we're quite happy to say goodbye to that client because, yeah. you know, we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing by our clients and we can't we can't do that. We can't give them the right advice without really firstly understanding their full position, which, you know, ultimately means we've got to meet our compliance obligations as well. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think what you're saying is spot on. And and just to finish off, um, because it's that time, um, if there was three things we can leave you with, one that I would say is compliance is only as bad as we make it. I've come to learn that um, at the end of the day, if it's part of your process, it's part of your process. Two, we had to change in the way we sell. So where we used to just sell, now we sell compliantly. And that's not a bad thing. That mm. at the end of the day means the way we're selling up front is the way that we can direct control and communicate after that. So we have to take more stock on what we put in front of a person and why we put it in front of them. So that's why I love the selling compliantly. And Marissa, if there's any one thing for you that stands out. I think it's just to 
just accept that it's part of it's part of business. It's part of the cost Agreed. of doing business, and there's no point in being angry or upset about it. We need to move forward, and I guess in terms of that, you know, we do need to support our industry bodies that are fighting in the political advocacy space to um, make sure that new compliance regimes that come in are actually effective in terms of assisting and, you know, helping the consumer. So I think really if you're bitter about it, that's not going to serve anyone. So you just need to accept it, uh, support the industry bodies, and if there's feedback that you have for the industry bodies, definitely give it to them so that they can pursue that in political advocacy. And it comes down to worst-case scenario. If you had to put yourself at worst case, let's say something goes terribly wrong and you did follow status quo, you did follow the compliance trail, You've got to be honest to say that that you would be one of the happiest people that particular moment in time, knowing you followed this process to a T, now that things have gone wrong for whatever reason. So if you look at compliance that way, I think it changes a bit the way it influences your decisions too. Now, we like to say goodbye, but before we say goodbye, um, we like to already just let you know with our next session, it's going to be digital versus relationships. So how does the digital play currently with lenders coming into the space and clearly more lenders coming into the space, what play does that have against relationship, which is very much the core uh, um, and the salt of the earth proposition that the mortgage broker offers to their clients? So really, really look forward to seeing you in our next session for digital and relationships. And on that, no further ado, love to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the LVR podcast. We hope you gained massive value from today's episode. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Success and Broker and The Broker Journal, driving broker routines and behaviors for better client outcomes. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'd appreciate if you gave us a five-star review. That way, it'll help others who would value this content too. We'll join you in the next episode.